Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Dave Leventhal. Dave, good morning. Hey, Joe. Good morning to you. Dave, I... As I texted you on Friday, NY23, not even a a district yet, uh, but for its first election since being drawn, it's going to be an interesting one to follow. Uh, An interesting one would be a colossal understatement, Joe, uh, here in D.C. The the, the talk about congressional redistricting is very, very much in an urgent way moved to New York 23, which, as you just said, uh, is just about to become uh, a district after an incredibly turbulent redistricting process in New York, to say the least. And with Chris Jacobs now dropping out of the race, uh, this has been uh, a tumultuous situation, has been thrown into great turbulence and also to great opportunity for some of the candidates uh, who uh, are already running in that race, or if your name is Carl Palladino, could be running in that race. And it's going to be one heck of an affair going forward uh, as uh, we go toward the New York State primary for uh, for the Republicans uh, in that district, and also to uh, to a lesser extent statewide. You know, as um, here it was, it was you know surprising um, that Chris Jacobs, Congressman Chris Jacobs, made that announcement on Friday. How was that uh, taken in Washington, or has it, with everything else going on, has it not gotten a lot of play in D.C.? It has gotten a lot of play in D.C., and and much of it has come in the context of of guns and gun regulations and and what Congress may or may not do in regard to the uh, just the rash uh, rash of mass shootings that have taken place in Texas, of course, in Buffalo uh, and and several other places, too, including Philadelphia last night, uh, where there was a mass shooting where at least four people had died. Uh, It seems like uh, every time we're talking, Joe, uh, we're, we're talking about the latest mass shooting that's taken place. So for Chris Jacobs to uh, to basically do what he did uh, a few days ago, which was say, I, I do support gun control regulations. I, I would vote for bills that would severely restrict or significantly restrict uh, guns in the United States. That, in essence, uh, was a poison pill for his own reelection pros- uh, prospects when many Republicans simply said, you know, that's, that's just not something that we can support. And Chris Jacobs, mind you, I don't need to, to tell you or, or WBN listeners, uh, had been hailed as one of the, the more conservative members uh, of Congress and somebody who was uh, absolutely uh, a firewall uh, against liberalism and, and the issues that many Democrats would espouse. So this was just a, a striking statement on his part, and he lasted all of a week before he finally realized that the political headwinds that were now blowing against him would be too strong. And, and Joe, you know, it made me think back to some of the Republican platforms that had been passed 
in recent years, in 2012, 2008. And I was looking back at the 2008 Republican platform, and a couple of lines really stood out to me in the context of Chris Jacobs. And one was very prominently right at the top of the Republican platform was the the line that said, quote, we do not fear disagreement and we do not demand conformity. And it made me wonder, and I was talking to several Republicans about this in the past week, could the Republicans put that in their platform right now and, and have that be true? I think there's a big debate as to whether you on certain issues, if you're a Republican and you're running for office, if you're in Congress, if you just simply on issues of guns and abortion in particular, have to agree with party orthodoxy, or you're just simply not going to be accepted as a member of the party. Now, to that point, Dave, are there any others in Congress that took the stance of Chris Jacobs that are running for re-election in the Republican Party? Well, one person, Joe, to pay very close attention to is going to be John Cornyn, a U.S. senator from Texas, who has also signaled that uh, there is at least going to be in his opinion, uh, some debate to be had on this among Republicans. And, you know, when we're talking about gun legislation, this is not a monolithic issue by any stretch of the imagination. There are any of a dozen and one different things that Congress is talking about right now and that Republicans are are debating right now intramurally uh, that, that could potentially be part of a bill. We're talking about raising the age of purchase from 18 to 21 talking about, you know, limiting magazine size for weapons, uh, bump stock bans, uh, background checks, red flag laws, we could go on and on. So expect that all of these are going to be part of that discussion. But here in D.C., I mean, even the, the most optimistic Democrats who would love for all of these things to happen, all the way on up to having an assault weapons ban akin to what was passed in 1994 and remained federal law until 2004 when it expired, is that they they don't see there being any possibility of of something truly comprehensive and monumental to happen, that if there is going to be anything passed and if any Republicans are going to support it at all, it's going to be around the margins. And then there's also, too, the question of, well, if it's some sort of change in law around the margins, is that even going to matter in regards to uh, stopping mass shootings or otherwise protecting innocent people who are being slaughtered by the dozens, uh, quite literally every month, uh, as a result of of mass shootings. So I expect that these are all going to be elements of a a much larger, greater, broader, and ongoing debate that is not going to be solved anytime soon and may, uh, like we've seen many, many times, Joe, in, in the past years after mass shootings, entirely possible that this is just simply going to be a lot of talk that goes nowhere legislatively, and that the status quo, for better or for worse, is going to remain what the, what the law is. And that, that largely is because of the, the Constitution of the U.S. Senate and needing 60 votes, not 50 votes, because of the filibuster to pass anything. And, you know, find me 10 Republicans in, in the Senate at this point, uh, with the Senate being split 50-50, to uh, go against their own party. You might find one or two or three, uh, Mitt Romney, uh, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski. But after that, you're really struggling to find who exactly is going to support any of the things that we just mentioned. Speaking of uh, of Senate and needing 10 Democrats or 10 Republicans, Dave, I have to ask you, where does Joe Manchin stand on this? 
Well, Joe Manchin, uh, he, he is the ultimate uh, Democratic conservative. It sounds like a complete oxymoron, but uh, that's effectively what he is. But Joe Manchin supports Democratic positions sometimes, and oftentimes he does not, much to the chagrin of the Democratic Party, who has wanted him to support lots of different things, especially spending bills that uh, Joe Biden has had at the cornerstone of his agenda. And he has uh, failed Democrats, at least if you are a Democrat, uh, on, on every occasion in that regard. So, uh, you know, Joe Manchin, he, he represents a very conservative state in West Virginia. This was a state that voted for President Donald Trump in 2020 in a major way and supported him in 2016. So, uh, you know, Joe Manchin is, is not somebody that the Democrats at this point, knowing what Joe Manchin has said about this, can reliably or, or can rely on and, and be a reliable uh, vote for them on uh, certainly something that's going to be a comprehensive gun bill, although it is possible, and he it, it appears to have opened the door to per, perhaps voting for something that, that would be less ambitious than, than something that's an all-of-the-above type of legislation or type of bill that relates to guns. Dave, when, uh, when we have you on the show, we seem to always bring up former President Trump and President Joe Biden. How about we bring them up in one question? This is something you wrote a few days ago. Trump staffer records should remain secret, according to a Biden administration lawyer. This is a Biden uh, attorney sticking up for someone from the Trump administration? It is. Uh, and uh, hey, look, uh, we, we think so often of things just in terms of Democrat versus Republican and Trump versus Biden, and and there there would never be a situation right where where there would actually be some sort of cross current or unexpected twist in in that standard story. But uh, in fact, uh, my my colleagues and I uh, we had uh, filed a Freedom of Information Act request, as we do for Democrats and Republicans all the time, uh, to get more information that we feel should be in the public domain, but the government is not released. And uh, as a result of that, the Biden administration. Uh, actually fought us and, and refused to release records about uh, a little-known office that gets created after every president, regardless of who it is. This happened for Barack Obama. This happened for George W. Bush and going back. But this office is basically a post-presidential office for, in this case, Donald Trump. And we had a very basic question, which was, who's working in this office? Who's getting taxpayer money to work for Donald Trump and also, too, for former Vice President Mike Pence after they had left the White House. And the bottom line was that the Biden administration didn't want to release this information. So we sued him in federal court and said, no, you're actually violating the law. The public has a right to know about any of these post-presidential offices. So give us the information. And uh, in essence, they had uh, put in a a federal court filing just last week a a very full-throated argument as to why they don't want to release certain aspects of that information and tell us who's getting taxpayer dollars to work for that Donald Trump and Mike, Pre- Mike Pence post-presidential office. So we're continuing our case going forward, and uh, we hope to win so that everyone can know exactly where their taxpayer dollars are going. And now speaking of President Joe Biden, I'm at the gym yesterday, Dave, and uh, I look up at the TV and see that the president has been rushed to uh, to a safe place, to a, some secret bunker, uh, a plane entered airspace it wasn't supposed to be in. What did this turn out being? Yeah, it turned out to be just a little private plane, and this has happened more times than you think uh, in Washington, D.C., and other places where the president uh, has been, and the the quick 20 seconds on, on this is that uh, it was just basically a mistake, and a little plane got 
a little too close to restricted airspace around Joe Biden. They scrambled at 15 fighter jets and, and, and basically, uh, you know, did what to do in a situation like that. But, yeah, a little scary for a little period of time, but ended up being a whole lot of nothing. Uh, I can think back to uh, only a few weeks ago when a similar situation happened near the U.S. Capitol, where uh, basically there were uh, paratroopers who were paratrooping down from military aircraft at the Washington Nationals baseball stadium. You, you may have been at a sporting event where this, this has happened before, and uh, you, you know this is it, it's, it's very fun to watch, and you, you've got the military personnel paratrooping down from from planes, but they forgot to tell the U.S. Capitol Police that this was going to happen, and they had to evacuate the Capitol. So my phone is blowing up, and everyone who's in the Washington press corps is getting all these alerts saying shelter in place or evacuate the Capitol, and, and it was just a, a mess for, for a good half hour. So these things do happen. Uh, they are taking, I think, extreme precautions in any of these cases. And, uh, you know, even though the attacks of 9-11 are, are now uh, you know, basically 20-plus uh, years hence, uh, you, you still have that, uh, that, that fear that the, the thing that is unthinkable is uh, going to happen again. So nobody's taking uh, any chances, uh, especially with the screw-up that happened a few weeks ago when the Capitol Police uh, didn't get informed of uh, the fact that there were going to be uh, jets in the area uh, dropping people and, uh, and, and, and stuff like that. Dave, I, I might be looking too into this, but I'd like to know your take. You know, uh, as you said, you know, 9-11, 20 plus years ago. But we also have a, a really, uh, you know, uh, toxic political environment right now where the temperature, in my opinion, is just way too hot. Do you think that also adds to uh, to a little of the extra security and the a little extra to overreact or what some perceive as an overreaction? Well, yeah, I mean, things are very tense here, and uh, we, we need no go no further than uh, the situation transpiring at the U.S. Capitol with the January 6th uh, investigative committee in the U.S. House, which is going to begin to hold public hearings just in the next few days. So as a result of that, uh, you're, you're going to have uh, political tensions that are already incredibly heightened uh, on super overdrive. And... Also, too, it, it leads to the possibility that there are going to be protests, that there are going to be some people who uh, are going to take this to extremes. And it's obviously uh, just going to be as contentious a period with, uh, with wounds being ripped wide open again in the most public of fashion. And, yeah, Washington, D.C., it seems like we're always on, you know, some sort of elevated alert uh, for any type of activity, foreign uh, or domestic, uh, that might uh, take place that, that could be uh, scary and problematic and violent, uh, and that's going to be really just put into uh, to motion uh, all over again in, in the coming days when these hearings begin to take place. Yeah, you brought it up, Dave. Uh, that was my next question. Thursday, the uh, public hearings will take place at 8 p.m. Um, what are we expecting, if anything, out of these, uh, these initial ones that I, I believe will be televised public hearings? Uh, what are we expecting? They, they are, and, and, and you underscored the, the biggest part about it is that they are going to be televised public hearings and that uh, it's going to be happening in prime time. This is not something that uh, will, will be happening, you know, at 10 o'clock on a work day uh, and, and maybe aired on C-SPAN or, or someplace where you, you have to really, you know, want to go to, to find it. Uh, this is going to be very much front and center all throughout the country, and even though there have been now 
months and months of, uh, ad, of periods of activity with this committee, and there have been literally hundreds of people who have testified before it. Much of this has been happening uh, w- without uh, extreme attention uh, or, or televised attention or the spotlight, the limelight of, of the public eye uh, on every twist in turn. But we're really getting to the point right now where uh, we, we are hitting stride with this committee and uh, everyone's going to, to know exactly what is going on and where this is all going uh, in a very, very public fashion, Joe. And that was my next question. So you have public hearings now that start. Uh, is it going to go public hearings and then report filed? How, how much longer um, does this go? We're 10 months into this special committee. How much longer until there's a commission report that we expect from stuff like this? Yeah, it's impossible to predict at this juncture, and then that's really going to be based on uh, the committee itself in, in terms of uh, when they feel that they've got enough information to release the report that ultimately they're going to write. And uh, they they got to write it, too, so that's going to take some, some significant time, and you can only imagine the legal particulars and the lawyers that will be involved, and this is going to be a process. So if you're expecting something, say, this summer, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, I think we're looking at something uh, very much uh, by later this year. We, we have a little thing in November uh, called the 2022 midterm elections. <laughs> you also have to grapple with, too. So, uh, you know, again, it, it's difficult to game this out at, at this juncture. But I think a lot of us would be surprised if there was uh, anything released in full prior to the election. And, and likely this is something that uh, could even go into 2023. Dave, always good catching up. Always uh, appreciate talking with you, and uh, we look forward to talking with you on Tuesday with Brian and Susan. Likewise. Thanks a lot, Joe. Have a good weekend. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.